Hey everyone, Selena Kulkarni here with another episode of the Freedom Warrior podcast. I'm super excited about today's episode with my dear friend Simon Bedard. Now Simon is an extraordinary business thinker and what I think he shares in his story today is really this idea that um, you know there really are no limitations. He is a, a complete larrikin, he's got a fabulous story of um, I wouldn't say rag to riches but really um, what I hope today's episode does is inspire you that someone who thought perhaps they might end up in jail um, has gone on to create significant success for himself. He runs an amazing business um, right now called the Exit Advisory Group and he specializes in helping people sell their business. He talks about growth and exit strategies uh, and really just exit planning in general. So on with the show and see you on the other side. Simon, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Selena. Thanks for having me. I'd love it if you could kind of give people an insight into who you are and what you do, because, um, you know, obviously your catch cry is maximize the value of your company, but I'd love to hear a little bit about you, your journey and how you got to where you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, look, obviously we, we help business owners is what we're about. And, um, you know, ultimately, I guess, we deal with a lot of business owners every day that uh, are at the sort of tail end of their journey and, and looking to exit. And I guess probably the common theme, and I guess the thing that ultimately drove us to start this business is that we found so many business owners wait far too long to, uh, to work out what their end game is. You know, they're often in business because they're good at what they do. Um, and that leads on to something and leads on to a business growing and whatever else. But often other than, making a living and obviously making money and generating some wealth, there's not necessarily an understanding around what their ultimate goal or objective is. And, and I find that that kind of leads to maybe a bit of lack of planning and a lot of lack of preparation and which has some knock on effects sometimes to their wealth and sometimes to their, their legacy and their family and their personal life. So, so that's, that's very much what we're about is helping people at that end stage of their journey and making sure that they make the most of this opportunity because you only exit once, right? So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of what we're about. And, and I guess, you know, a bit of my background, I guess, how we, we got to this point, um, you know, and I'll, I'll give you the abridged version, but uh, I started my career in finance and investment, um, very much on the investment side, not lending. Um, so worked in, in for private enterprise and also worked for large and listed companies, including a stint at uh, one of the big four banks, um, where really I was helping private clients, uh, middle market clients looking at wealth strategies and how to invest. Um, having uh, spent a time in investment, I think that really kind of shaped my view on the world that it's not usually about price, it's about value. And it doesn't really matter what you do in life. Um, you know, if you're focused on either acquiring or delivering value, you, you're going to really be capturing the essence of really what you're trying to do and you'll get the best kind of outcomes. Um, and so I think that that theme, that that kind of note really traveled right through the rest of my life and career and into business and, and everything else I've done. So, um, and so, you know, having left the corporate world, I started a business and bought another business and sold a business and kind of did that whole cycle. And I've been involved in plenty of startups, which are always fun and exciting and extremely hard work. And, <laughs> um, and, and really just, you know, realize, I guess, that through this journey of being in and out and going through the cycles that our, our real sort of gift was to try to help business owners who were somewhere along that journey and, and needing to 
really planned for that that final stage. That was that was beautiful. That was a beautiful story. Very very nicely articulated. I, I just want to pick up on one of the things you said because I I really feel it's something that. Um, a lot of people when they're thinking about investment don't consider and that that is the difference between price and effectively what you're talking about which is ROI return on investment like you know could you kind of give me your perspective on that because i definitely think it's a concept which flies over most people's head and um you know it, it often confuses investment decision making yeah yeah absolutely um and and I, I preface this by saying to you, you know, I one of my businesses was actually in the renewable energy space, and uh, and I think as that that industry started to flourish, we started to get this concept of what the triple bottom line is. You know, everyone's used to the phrase the bottom line. Well, okay, that's great, you know, but I like to talk to people whether whatever they're doing in life, whatever they're if they're investing or buying something, whatever it might be. It, to me, it's about the total cost of ownership. And by that, I don't just mean, you know, the, the financial cost that people have invested to, to acquire something. It's the cost of holding it. It's the cost to you personally, the opportunity cost. Um, and, and where the triple bottom line comes in for most companies is understanding, well, what is the social and environmental impact of what we do? Um, yep. And so I think when people start to think about ROI, it's taking a holistic approach to it and understanding, well, what does that actually mean to me and, and the people around me? Yeah, love that. That's fantastic. Um, tell me a little bit about how, you know, let's step back a bit, how money showed up for you in your life as a kid and, and how that kind of influenced your career choices and how it shows up for you now. Like what's the evolution been? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I, I came from, well, I came from a family, certainly when I was growing up, that didn't come from really any money. I mean, we, we were by all standards, very much lower, lower middle class. I would say my, um, you know, we, we had a roof over our head and we had food on the table, but there wasn't really a lot left after that. Um, so um, I, I think I really sort of got exposed to money and a different kind of life and what that can mean to people when I was quite young in that, um, you know, I had a bit of a troubled youth, shall we say, and I, I won't go into lots of gory <laughs> stories, but it's, let's just say I got myself into a fair bit of trouble. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people looking back at me back in my primary school days, even often joked and said, that's the, that's the kid who'll end up in jail at school, you know? And so gives <laughs> you <laughs> a little bit of impression of some of the things I, you know, probably got up to And But, you know, look, a lot of that was because I was struggling with things, but I, I had a, a really good family friend of ours that, um, I guess, saw me for who I was and recognised that I wasn't a bad person. I was just in a bad situation. And they very, very kindly and generously um, plucked me out of the situation I was in and basically parachuted me into a, a very, very good school here in Sydney and, um, and where I went off to boarding school for six years. And, um, and that, you know, that, that was a real turning point. My, my family couldn't afford to send me to a school like that at all. Um, but having that experience and having somebody willing to invest in me yep. um, was my first real experience with, I mean, to be honest, the fees back then were so astronomical. I couldn't get my head around it as a young child that, you know, that there was that much money that somebody would spend on anything, let alone my, my schooling and my, my future. So, so that, that was probably the most pivotal thing that happened in my life when it came to understanding wealth, investment, 
um, and an understanding a relationship with money and in terms of not that money makes you happy, but what money can allow you to achieve and do and, and, and you know, the doors that can open for you in life. Yeah, beautifully articulated as well. Like th that is quite extraordinary that you were plucked out like that. Were you, were you amongst siblings plucked out or did you all get sent to the school? Um, I was amongst siblings. Um, my two sisters are 13 and 15 years older, so they were growing oh, up okay. and moved out. But my brother was two and a half years older. Um, look, at the time, um, the, the school, the waiting list to get into these schools was, and they often joked about it, it was long enough that they could expel the school twice over and fill it a third time. Wow. And so it was extraordinarily difficult to get in. And it just so happened that a kid pulled out a week before school started in year seven, and this family friend said, who was associated quite well with the school, said, look, I've got somebody who needs that position. And this is not about cues. It's about, it's the right um, thing to do. And um, so he somehow managed. So I, I thought I was going to the local high school. And then a week before high school started, I got this call saying, there's an opportunity that's opened up. And I want to talk about whether you would really like to do this because phenomenal. it's going to be a change. And yeah. And so I still to this day remember driving onto the school grounds and absolutely shitting myself because I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. Oh, <laughs> dear. Really a school? Like, oh, my goodness, you know. And, yeah, wow. Uh, and Sounds, being, like X -Men. Sounds like X-Men. Sounds like X-Men. Well, it was, it were, you know, it, it was, uh, yeah, there, there was no special powers involved, but, geez, it was an eye-opener, and I was probably just as in awe as anybody going into that kind of environment. So Yeah, right. Look, um, you've obviously had quite a good foundation then in terms of education. You've gone on and had, uh, you know, employment in and around the topic of money. Was there a time in your life where you felt, wow, money's really easy to make? Like, do you remember having that sort of thought? Yeah, look, <laughs> once again, you know, I think the first time I started making money for my, so my first little business, I often laugh, was my first business, I was about seven years old. Um, yep. and we used to live around the Concord area and I would go down to all the golf courses in Canada Bay and pull out golf balls and wash them up and go and sell them all. And I remember getting home after the first day of doing this thinking I, I'd never held so much money in my life. <laughs> of course, at the time it was probably about 10 bucks, but you know, it, it, that was the first little instance. Um, by the time I got to high school, I was going down to the local shops and buying stuff and reselling them to everybody in the boarding houses because, you know, lack of, uh, lots of demand, lack of supply and, once again, made money. And then <laughs> I used to wash cars in my school holidays. And so my my elder sisters used to call me the capitalist, you know, and because I would sit there and I'd make money and then I'd hoard my money and I'd kind of want to count it every day and just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Half the time, because I wasn't sure if my brother was going to go and pinch it. But, you know, <laughs> it was, uh... <laughs> so I, I, I guess I always had moments like that, even as a young guy, where I thought, well, if you go out there and you you find something that people need, if you're solving kind of some kind of problem, well, then then people will generally pay for your help. Yeah. Um, and I think that sort of once again that 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 theme struck me early, even though I probably couldn't articulate it like this back then. But it was yeah. it was more just about spotting where there was a need or a problem. Um, and I think anybody, anybody, you don't have to be some kind of entrepreneur or well-educated or anything like that. If you can spot where there is a problem, well, if you can solve that problem, then you will probably find people willing to pay you some fairly good rates of, of, of money to, to, to be there and help them. So, 
Guys, if you're listening to this, that right there was probably one of the, the biggest nuggets you could uh, get from a, a very entrepreneurial mind. Um, I think too often people go out into business and they do what they think they're passionate about without referencing whether or not there's a, a problem to be solved or um, a need in the market. So yeah, thank you for putting that one in there. That was, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and look, and just on that, because I, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of startups. Um, I still end up down at, you know, some various, uh, the, the various labs and stuff in the city, having coffee with people who are looking to make that next move. And the one little piece of, of advice I, I would share on top of that is if you've got an idea, if you're starting a business and you're wanting to, you know, turn it into something special, ask yourself, is there a market for this business? Because if you, if you think you've got a great idea and you're going to go out and make a market, think again. Um, the world is just too big, too hard to, you know, to, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that new markets aren't made. New things do come along. Facebook was, uh, you know, one of its first, although not the first, um, but, you know, fundamentally, that was still a, it was, the idea of networking was still around. Uh, the internet had already started. So what Facebook was doing was not actually anything brand new and unique. It was just an evolution of existing ideas, right? So if you need to create the market to sell what you're doing, rethink your idea yeah. and find a market that needs a solution and then build that solution. That's, Amazing. Uh, yeah, just market. Right? <laughs> yeah, love that. Look, I, I just want to flip to a different kind of tack here, which is I think when people look at, um, you know, people like you uh, and you've just sort of espoused all these things about, you know, it's easy to make money, um, that can be sometimes misguided into thinking that you never experience financial stress. So what would be awesome is if you could maybe tell us about times where you have experienced financial stress, because I think, I think the... Um, the, I guess what you edify, when you edify people who are very entrepreneurial, you think that they've got the Midas touch and, they, and that nothing ever goes wrong. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know and you know that that's not the truth. So I'd love to hear your insight into that. Yeah, absolutely. And nothing could be further than the truth, right? I mean, we all get these sound bites and these glossy little kind of brochures about people's lives and we should all aspire to be like them. But yeah, you know, yeah. it's often the, the discussion around the overnight success and they go, well, actually, it took me 20 or 30 years to be an overnight success, you know, yes. and lonely nights and trips on that, you know, on that journey. So, so, yeah, look, absolutely. We've been through plenty of financial stress at different times and um, and I could, I could reference numerous periods in my life. Um, one of the ones that comes instantly to mind was um, when I first stepped out of the corporate world and sort of finished up in my career in, in the finance sector, per se, um, and left a job, got offered other jobs, decided that despite having a young child, my wife being six months pregnant, that this was obviously the right time to go into business um, and, and go and do something for myself. And so literally took... Um, every cent we had available to us. And that was not, we were sitting on a pile of our own money and it was all just easy. It was borrowed money. It was paying interest. It was obligations around it. And we took that money and we went and started a company and, and then ultimately ended up buying into another company to accelerate it. Didn't have the money for that either, Selena. So, you know, like it was just about, don't get me wrong, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't foolhardy, but it was, there was calculated risk there and it, but it was, there was risk. And, you know, one of the things I think every single business owner that hears this will relate to this is that if you haven't had a few nights where you've been lying in bed, you're unable to sleep because you're not sure your business is going to make it, then you probably haven't been in business. 
So, you know, and I and I've had plenty of those nights. <laughs> um, you can ask my wife; she she can sense my stress from the other room. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, look, been through it, been through it numerous times. Um, and all I can say is planning, thinking, flexibility, adaptability, having good people around you. That's what gets you through that stuff, right? Yeah. Don't try to do it all on your own because that is an enormously isolating thing to do and it amplifies the fear. It amplifies your risk, in fact, because you become isolated and you stop um, having the benefit of outside thinking. Yeah. Um, so yeah. talk, talk often and talk with those you trust. Yeah, I love that. That, that was that an was awesome, awesome answer. Look, I, I think I just want to finish up with, you know, obviously this is the Freedom Warrior podcast. We're really here to discuss people's journey around money and wealth. Um, if I were to ask you a question about what does financial freedom look like for you, how would you answer that? Yeah, that's great. And I asked a similar question to a lot of people. And so, so I've thought about my answer. Um, financial freedom to me is having enough money to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And to whatever that means for you as an individual, right? And you could line up 10 different people and then the number will be different for every person based on what's important to them. Um, what I will say is, I've never been the kind of guy who needs to drive a Ferrari to feel successful. Um, I don't care about that sort of stuff. I don't, um, I don't need to stay in the fanciest hotels when I travel. Um, I, I've got some very good friends of mine and, and when we're enjoying a glass of wine or an ice gin and tiny, we'll often laugh about the fact that we're not aiming to be the richest people in the graveyard. We're looking to go with the most experiences and the most memories and, you know, and have a good time. But you know, money is important to me to be able to have those memories and be able to do them the way I and create them in the way I want and with my kids and, you know, kids aren't cheap. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's very much about um, the same question I ask my clients is what, what do you want for your life? You know, what's important to you? Because, you know, I don't think any of us are, are born to do business. We're not born to make money. You know, we're born to live. And so our business and our, our investment, our strategies, they, that should be a vehicle for delivering us the life we want. So think hard about what life you want because that, this is an important thing to, you know, an important decision to make. Yeah. Look, After that, we can make the business work, right? Yeah, totally. I, I really love that. And the only thing I would add is um, when I'm working with clients in terms of designing a plan to get them to, you know, the life that they want, it's really about defining financial freedom as a formula. So I've talked about this before. If you say to someone, you know, what does financial freedom look like? They might describe all this wishy-washy stuff like, oh, when I can play golf every Tuesday and go to the cinema on Friday. And, you know, there's a kind of a, a cadence that they talk about with their life. Whereas what I'm looking for from a pragmatic point of view, when we're looking about designing a plan to get them there, it's what is A plus B plus C to get you to financial freedom. So often the, the definition of financial freedom can be very simple. And in fact, I really push people towards simplicity around their definition. So it could be simple things like when my house is paid off, when I've got 150 to 200,000 coming in every year, regardless of whether I work, and when my children are financially independent, that is financial freedom. So I encourage people not only to think about the design of how they would live their life, but also from a formulaic point of view, how do you know what conditions have to be present for that to be true? And then it's, it's a line in the sand because otherwise 
it's kind of like this nirvana that you never actually reach. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And it's you're right about the formulaic approach. It's um, one of the things that I, I've spoken at an event recently and, and I actually asked for a show of hands, how many people know their number? And everyone looked at me and said, well, what, what are you talking about? I said, well, the number that you would need to be able to live the life you want, you know, whatever that means again, right? But you've got, yes, we all need a place to live. We all need to get around, we need to travel, we need to eat, we need to do different things. And so, you know, if you've got kids, you want to put them through university, well, it all costs. If you don't understand what that looks like and you don't have a model and a plan to manage that, what hope do you have of actually achieving what you want and being happy and feeling fulfilled, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, look, um, Simon, it's just been absolutely awesome to have you on. I think I'm going to actually have to circle back and interview you again. You're such a minefield of just great wisdom and knowledge around business and uh, also wealth. Oh, that'll um, be a place anytime. So. Yeah, look, that just about wraps it up for today's show. Um, if you have a question or you want to get in touch with Simon, uh, we'll put some uh, information in the notes. Um, please just send us uh, an email or get reach out to us on socials. And if you like what you heard in today's episode, please make sure you share it. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button um, just so you can hear about future episodes as they get released. Simon, once again, thanks for being on the show and look forward to connecting next time. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Warrior podcast and a few things before you take off. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review my podcast to help more people find it. Also, each week I send out a unique email newsletter where I share some of the most cutting edge and interesting things I've found during the week to help you on your journey to financial freedom. And finally, if you're interested in fast tracking towards being financially free, please check out my programs where I help you get onto the path of generating a significant six-figure passive income through investing. If you're interested, head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to find out if it's suitable for you. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.